Okay, welcome everybody. Today we are going to talk to Mike Norieski. Uh, he is one of the first guests to be on Transformation Talks, my new very exciting podcast series that I am about to introduce to the world, and I'm so excited about it. And the idea behind it is to interview people who have experienced hope, healing, and transformation in their lives in some way, shape, or form. And uh, I have the great honor of interviewing Michael today to discuss what transformation really means to him. Uh, Michael went through and continues to go through a transformative process that, that began while he was incarcerated in in federal prison and uh, Michael is out of federal prison he is living a wonderfully happy and productive life if I do say so myself and uh, and he has agreed to talk to us today a little bit about his experience of transformation and what transformation means for him so welcome Michael thank you for having me Liz. <laughs> Uh, my pleasure, absolutely. So uh, why don't we just start out with the question of what what transformation means means to you. When I say that word, uh, what, what, what does it conjure up for you? How would you describe the experience that you've had? Well, it's the first thing that comes to mind as soon as I say transformation or someone says it to me based on my own life's experiences is right now, it immediately says, love. Now, that may sound strange for someone talking about transformation, what love is, but when you have been someone such as myself that has lived in darkness or has lived in turmoil his life for reasons that maybe someday we'll discuss, but because of those reasons, that, that darkness, and to be able at one point to go through that metamorphosis to be able to become not just the seed, to able to become the caterpillar, and from that caterpillar to blossom and to have a butterfly. It's nothing but love, because in that darkness for me, there was despair, there was suicidal tendencies, there was heartache, there was loss, there was hatred, there was anger, there was a multitude of things that brought me to a point in my life that I just didn't even feel like being here anymore, nor could I stand myself to be here. Those things, when you're able to go from those things and over a period of time, it's not overnight, that time from the beginning, where you were at, to where you are at now, that transformation is nothing but love. So would you say that when you talk about love, would you, are you talking about love as almost the catalyzing force that, that allowed the transformation? Or are you talking about going from darkness and all of those negative emotional states you just described to love? Well, you know, first of all, it's not love that other people would think it is. It's not physical love. It's not sensual love. First, it's about, when I say love, it's about learning to love myself. Where 
I didn't like myself. So learning to love myself inspired me, actually, to transform into a better person, a better human being, a more loving and caring person. So that love is different for most people. But I I, want to make sure people understand it's not a physical love. It's about yourself. For me, I had to learn to love myself before I could truly love the other people that were surrounded me. So, so transformation, when I, when I bring up the word transformation for you, it sounds like you moved within yourself from a place of darkness, uh, a place of sadness, a place of anger, resentment, to you were able to move through a process over the course of time into a place of loving yourself and accepting yourself. And, and that is what you mean by transformation. You transformed from this person you used to be with all of the stuff you used to carry around uh, to a person who loves himself and takes care of himself and has self-compassion and therefore can have all those things for other people. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's also important for, for, it was important for me to realize with love came many other things. With love, actually, you can find structure in your life. With love, you find hope. With hope and time, because of this transformation, you find awareness, which before you hid behind. Recognition previously was only about dark things. To be able to find this love internally, and it is with work, and finding love, the transformation first for me was to remove all of the minutiae, all of the dirt, all of the grime, all the ugliness, all of the mud, the muck that was internally in me. If you think about a human being, you see the person down at the stomach, all of that just laying there. But then it's laying there underneath the coverings of dirt. And, under, and then above that dirt, instead of being grass or seeds or trees there's just dead meadows and everything is below that so first you have to learn to remove that once in my case the removal of that was the beginning for me of my own transformation beautiful beautiful so that kind of, you know, in some ways sounds, you make it sound easy to remove that. You just kind of take out the dirt. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, it's trying. No, it's not easy at all. Try to think this. If you had a hole that was 100 feet deep and it was full of boulders and the only way to remove them is one at a time and you only have a hammer, and a pick, and you have to chisel away. There are hundreds of boulders. So it's one piece at a time. It's not the removal of one thing. It's not an explosion that comes out. It's piece by piece uncovering what's below you. It's not just a volcanic eruption. 
For me, it wasn't. It may be for other people. For me, it was the slow process of picking away, picking away, picking away until I did get to a point where instead of pick, shovels came. Because of what I had removed, I was able to go from a child's toy shovel to a regular shovel. And from a shovel, you can go on to a backhoe. Uh, you know, you, you go further and further until eventually at the bottom you hear this. Wait, I'm here. What, what is this? So you would say it became easier over time. Yes. So what would you say was the first step? You know, I know, I know your story and I know it's an amazing story and we're not going to get into the story from beginning to end in this particular interview. Uh, we certainly will down the road and, and we'll do it both in podcast and hopefully in a documentary film that we're going to do. And I'm really excited about that. But if we just stick to the subject of transformation and, and using your analogy, uh, what what do you think was one of the first steps that you had to take to begin to dig up the muck, the boulders? You know, there's a there, the the key word is acceptance. I had to find a way, and this may sound strange to some people. I had to nurture and develop the courage. To be able to have the willingness, desire, and to bottom out at the same time to say, whoa, I'm not, I'm not happy here. I'm, I'm destructive here in my own self. I was destructive to my own body and what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, if you find that courage, and it is, it's amazing what courage can do. Uh, I happen to be in contact with some people that every day they inspire me because of their courage that I see. Courage doesn't have to come. I once told someone this. To show courage, you do not have to be a battled warrior, a soldier of war, to show courage. To show courage, someone instilled this in me and told me this. To show courage, I just have to say, I'm going to try again tomorrow. So you, you, you know, I hear a couple things in what you're saying. Uh, first of all, acceptance, but I'm also wondering about uh, you have to have a certain level of awareness to even know that you have anything to accept. True. And awareness, though, is like a metamorphosis also. It doesn't just happen. See, one thing that I found out for me is that each one of these separate pieces are in fact one but we need to work on each piece to put them together so in my case awareness was there because I could see the ugliness in me physically could see it and physically at times became nauseous um, nauseous and despair sets in 
despair to the point in my case, I attempted to take my own life. Awareness is just like trying to get rid of the minutiae. Same thing happens. You chisel away at it. But with awareness, as you chisel away, instead of getting to more and more muck or minutiae, there's a light that's in there. And the light shines on other things. Because you come aware of other things that are going on in your life that are either good or bad. Everything's not bad. There are some things that are good. And then you resonate more to the good. Okay, so now you, you, it feels like to me, in the process of transformation, you're talking about sort of the first part of it is, is the awareness that something needs to change. The second part of it is actually being willing to look at the muck, to look at the shadow side, to look at the places of darkness, to look at the unhappiness, to examine it and to name it and to own it. And then there is, once you've done that, there is a sense of there is a light inside. There's an awareness that there is now a light in there. And now it's gaining the skills, almost rounding the corner, if you will, to gain the skills to fan that light, to give it strength, to have it shine. To ha- and, and in that beco- comes the awareness to pay attention to the things that, that are positive, to the things that make you happy, to things that, um, that, that call your attention in a very positive way. So you're kind of moving from this place of darkness and unhappiness you're, you're moving into a place of awareness and responsibility and own, owningness, if you will, to then taking responsibility to now cultivating that light, growing that light. And it is. It's a culmination of all those things. Awareness is part of acceptance, and acceptance is part of awareness. They all are a link. They're linked together in different ways. We also have to find that link. It's just not, I found for me, it wasn't just presented to me and, you know, on a plate. Actually, once you're willing to do things, you're presented with an empty palate. And then you have to put the courses on this palate. Whether you consider it paint or whether it's food, you have to add things to this. But it's not, the adding is actually at the same time taking away. See, I'm adding to something, but as I'm adding, I'm removing. Balance. What you're talking about is creation, creationary energy. So, you know, the first part of, of life, you're, you're, you're reacting to life. You're, you might even say you're a victim of life. You're a victim of your own kind of darkness and shadow and ego. And when you move into this space, as you transform, you're moving into a place of creationary energy. And as you do that, you're creating a new reality in your life. And as you do that, the old is falling away. Is that how you would describe it? Yes. And, and, and one of the key things and you just said, it was the one, the key word for me anyway. And I have found from other people that I've had the pleasure and honor of speaking with. Ego. 
ego. I ego will bite you in a rump. Ego ego will tell you it's loving you to death. Ego is a driven force. It's it's almost like something that's in the universe that drives you. Can't see it. Can't feel it. This may sound strange, but it's almost part of the quantum physics. We can't see it, but we know it's there. Well, I... And and the topic of ego is is definitely going to be the topic of many future podcasts, and 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 it will be something we talk a lot more about. Uh, but what I, how I would describe it, and the way I used to describe it to the people I would teach was that the ego was sort of the conductor of their human train, uh, and so it it was leading, it was running the show, and. And if we tie that back to transformation, your transformation, and I know this through some of the discussions we've had before, was about sort of kicking that ego back to the caboose of the train. And something else needed to learn to lead. Yeah, that's right. You, you, need, to, you need to embrace ego. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you need to remove it. You can't remove it from your life. I, you shrink it down. It's smaller. The ego becomes smaller. And as that becomes smaller, you become stronger in other things. For me, that's the way it worked. As my ego dissipated, other things in my life became stronger. So all these things, as we said before, from acceptance to willingness to ego to hope, to love, removing the minutiae, they're all intertwined. I, I have found for me that in transformation, it's not one thing you attempt to fix. It's about the whole. It's about the whole person. I don't need to fix a headache. I need to fix my body. But in order to even fix the shell that I live in, I need to fix the internal side. So the transformation does really start from within. That within, for me, was removing of that minutia. And over time, other things started to blossom. It's not like I had to get to the bottom before everything happened. As I was going down into the pit of despair, I will call it, other amazing things started to happen in my life. It's it's almost like the scales of justice. But you can weight them. As one thing was happening, as weight went on, the other rose. And so as I went deeper, there was a rise on the other side. So transformation, for me, is a multitude of things. It's not one thing. But it's about, without a doubt, for me. It was about the whole person. Beautiful. And uh, I think I love the way you've described that journey. And I think for some people, they hear the word transformation and they 
they either think it's overused or they don't understand what it means or you know yes we've we've said a lot today but but really how do you do it like how do you actually uh, activate what you need to activate within yourself to create this this long-term change and you've talked about going into the minutia and you can't do that I would say it's difficult to do that by yourself oh absolutely there you you hear about other individuals that they say they have to hit rock bottom I don't necessarily know that that's what has to happen for transformation. For me, I'm not sure if I was at rock bottom. To be quite frank, it could have been worse or continued to be worse. There could have been more minutia. There could have been harder times, bigger struggles in life. Because I'm not sure where rock bottom was at. And I'm not sure if I got the rock bottom. But I know it was a downward spiral that was deep, 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 deep. But for me, when you're in that, when you're in that spiral, you don't recognize what's going on in your life. You just, you're living. There's not acceptance. There's nothing of what's going. You're just living. You're breathing air and you're just living. You're taking one step in front of the other, and you really don't have any value behind that step. What is this step for? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to step. So for me, there there came a point in my life that the thing that had awoken me to a certain extent was incarceration for me. For other people, it may be an illness or a sickness. It may be guilt Guilt can say, whoa. You can do a number on it. Yes, because not just of who we're harming ourselves, but it's that, and it's something that I, that I learned when I was incarcerated. You throw a pebble into a lake, it ripples forever. It'll ripple from one side of the lake to the other side of the lake. It doesn't dissipate out. So... When you're in that, when your life is in such turmoil, what is also the ripple effect? My wife, my wife, okay, my daughter, family members, people that I loved and cared about, people that I didn't even know what love was, but your surrounding, your environment. It could be, you know, we keep thinking about people that love us, but no, it could be your employer. It could be the policeman. It could be the fireman. Because when we become self-destructive ourselves, we affect the multitude of people. In my case, the beginning of the stop point for me, think about this. You take an elevator and the cable breaks. And the elevator starts to plummet to the bottom. But you don't reach the bottom, but you're fearful of the bottom. 
And you don't reach the bottom because in elevators nowadays, they have a braking system that clips on and grabs. So the whole time you're going down, the elevator is trying to stop. It's scratching. It's trying to stop. And you hear that and the sparks are flying. And then eventually it comes to a stop. And it's a hard stop. Okay? It throws you to the bottom of the elevator. But below you, there's still depth. So, those, for me, myself, that's what it was like. I was plummeting. And then what happened is that the elevator grabbed. The cable was snapped. The elevator finally grabbed itself, and it came to a a crashing stop. And that crashing stop for me was the word of, you're going to prison. For others, it could be any word. I'm leaving you. I don't like you anymore. I don't love you anymore. All these different scenarios, you know, they're applicable to other different people. For me, that was the beginning. See, there has to be a beginning. There, there, you know, when you think about this, there's a beginning to everything. It doesn't matter. At one point in my life, it mattered to me, well, what was the beginning? But it doesn't matter what the beginning is because there just happens to be one. I really don't care, you know, if it was the chicken or the egg that went across the road first. I just also know that I like a good chicken dinner. <laughs> so, so uh, I love that elevator example because it just you can just picture it. You can you can hear the sounds. You can smell it. You can you can feel the fear of of that the cable snapping and it falling. And uh, and and so my question for you, I guess, is you you must have hit a point where. Uh, you said no more uh, there I cannot keep living this way and do you think you had that feeling after you heard the words you're going to prison or do you think you had that feeling farther along the journey there was there was <clears throat> the feeling of the shock the bottomless okay the feeling of emptiness came about for me two-phase. When I was told I was going to go to prison, I turned around and I looked and there was my family standing there looking back at me. My wife looking at me and looking at the anguish, the hurt. What am I going to do? Am I going to be okay? That emptied, in a sense, okay, not the minutia, but that was the beginning at some point of, and I can't even say the transformation. I, I Yeah, it was just, it was realization. a, yeah, yeah, a realization. It was a wow moment. It was one of those things, wow moment. It was one of those moments that you really don't want on your bucket list. Right. Okay. And then you're taken away. For me, actually, the second moment that changed it was when I showed up in prison 
and recognize everything, my surroundings. For me, it was what was taken from me that I no longer could have. For me, it was. For me, it was the point that I no longer was Michael Noreski. I was 62467050. That moment when I was told that you, everything you do from now on is based on that number. The thought that went through my mind immediately was the individuals that went to Auschwitz, that they were tattooed and numbered. And even though they didn't put it physically on my arm, they put it on everything else I owned. Everything else, my clothes, my socks, my underwear, my shirts, my t-shirt, that number was on there. Everything that I did wasn't based on anything else. If, if I had the ability to get something or buy something, it was based off of my number. So it was taken from a human to a number. Well, and if I, if I may, it wasn't just a human to a number, but it was uh, a, a human who, who thought he was pretty in charge of his life. And, and now he wasn't in charge of his life at all anymore. And the humility that must have come, in, you know, sort of in that moment or in those first few months of prison, I can't, I can't imagine. And I, I want to bring that up because humility, I always see humility as a key ingredient to transformation. If there was a recipe that I would put together for, for human transformation, uh, it would be, you know, at least two cups of humility uh, because it's alchemizing in its power to transform one from an ego-led life to a soul led life or a spiritual life or a transformed life. And I, you've just, I feel done a wonderful job at, at talking about from going to, from the human to a number and what that must have been like and, and, and how that was, you could start to feel the, the beginnings of the churnings of your own transformation. And so at that point, uh, you probably had something inside of you that said, you know, Things need to change. Things need to change. And here's the thing. I believe, and it's very similar to what you're saying. The humility first for me came from fear. It was fear of Everything, fear of the unknown, fear of where I was, all those things were fearful. It doesn't matter the statue of the person, how big they were and everything. But it was also fear okay, that can be brought on by one incident. But it was also, in my case, it was fear that I had lived through my whole life. And as you had stated about you know, the change in the numbers and who I was before. See, previously, I lived in fear all my life, but it was the fear of not succeeding at something. So I would do anything. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter who I had a bully. 
It didn't matter who I had to hurt. None of those things mattered because I needed to succeed. And see what I said? I needed to. There was, I need. I need. Fear was driving. The first time that you truly feel humbled, it is life-changing. It is one of those uh, moments. But it's one of those moments that's, uh, but it's a ha uh, that just lingers and goes on. And that's one of the moments where it goes from your toes to the tip of your head. There's a feeling that I can't really describe. It, it, it's a combination of happiness, actually. Because you're actually feeling something that you never knew that was in you. To be humbled. And that humility will allow, or it did allow me, to start stepping forward. Exactly. And I think um, you have done a wonderful job of sharing with us a bit about your transformative process and the role that humility played as well as acceptance and as well as self-forgiveness. Um, and you've touched on many things today that we'll, we will continue to talk about uh, topic specific as well as as your story so we are out of about out of time um, but I just I want to I want to invite our listeners to to drink in this conversation and yearn to know more and to learn more about your personal transformation because uh, we will talk further about the person you were before prison. We will talk further about what kinds of experiences you had in prison that helped alchemize this transformation in you. And I want to talk about how you view yourself as transformed now um, and how you live your life now. And uh, so is, would you like to end with anything, anything else that speaks to sort of your vision of your own transformation or where you are right now in your life? For me and for others that I have seen this with. If you can, it's not just you can see where people were and where they're at. But what I feel about not only myself now versus who I was because of this transformation is really the difference between night and day. It, it is just an, an elational, if that is even a word, overwhelming, overpowering, but powering at the same time to find that transformation and to be able to go beyond and live that so that not only for yourself but for others to be part of that with you to be part of that journey to understand that yes there is a light at the end 
But to tell you the truth, it's about living that light all along. It's not about waiting to the end. And that's what transformation has done for me. You know, there's one word that, that that's running around in my head as I feel you and I hear you, and that's the word freedom, personal freedom. So as you, as you talk about what this transformation and your transformation has done for you, it's a sense of freedom. It has provided a sense of freedom within yourself in a way that you never knew before. Yeah, I mean, I had, there are words that we say we speak that we really don't know. We may know the, the Webster dictionary version of them, but we really don't know what they mean because we haven't taken the time to live them. Yes. And freedom is one of those words. And you've learned freedom from a number of different angles now. Yes. It wasn't just being incarceration for me. wasn't being behind a wall. It wasn't being behind a barbed wire fence. Incarceration for me was my whole life. And now, it wasn't just the advent of leaving. People find this strange when I tell them, and they ask me, well, how was it in prison? And I tell them that it's the most glorious thing that I have ever experienced because I found freedom behind those walls. Well, that, that is um, incredibly powerful to hear, incredibly powerful to feel, and I really look forward to talking with you further and taking a deep dive into this concept of freedom, the concepts of the ego, and all the other stories that you have to illustrate how your own transformation came about, and we will continue to do that. So I invite all our listeners to stay tuned for more conversations with Michael and with many other men who have transformed their lives uh, uh, through sort of an alchemy of sorts. Uh, So thank you so much for being with us today, and I can't wait to do it again. Thank you, Lacey.